Welcome to Central Speaks, home of our weekly podcast. Central Speaks is produced by Hamilton Central Baptist Church. The biography of the life of Christ is unlike any other. An ordinary biography tells the life story of the subject and ends with death and burial. After that, there's really nothing more to tell except perhaps the ongoing influence the person may have had on society. But for the casual reader of the Gospel of John, the biography of Jesus does not end in chapter 19 with the crucifixion and burial of Jesus. Calvary is not the end of the story. In fact, the the tomb has been described as a punctuation mark in a story that began before the foundations of the world. The Christian faith has one central focus, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what sets Christianity apart from all other religions is the resurrection of Christ. If there's no resurrection of Christ, there would not be a Christian faith. The resurrection proves that Jesus truly was who he claimed to be, the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Savior of the world. The empty tomb was like God's signature on a contract that that the price for the sins of man has been paid in full and that Jesus Christ alone can save us from our sins. No wonder people all the way down through History have have tried to deny and disprove the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. From the time of the Jewish religious leaders, when they first heard the soldiers' report of the empty tomb, right down to this very day, people have tried in vain to fabricate theories that undermine the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave is the undeniable proof that he truly is God and that he truly can save us from our sins. In the lives of Jesus' followers, the resurrection was the final turning point in their faith that convinced them that Jesus was truly God in the flesh. So let's read together now the passage of Scripture in John chapter 20, and we'll start at verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and she said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been around his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then went and saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head 
and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she's told them, and I don't know where they have put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. Well, we're going to discover, first of all, the three stages in the disciples' comprehension of the resurrection. And we'll see in the first stage of comprehension of the resurrection, first, faith built on past experience. Faith built on past experience. Look at verses 1 and 2. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and she said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. It was early Sunday morning, a day of immense proportions. The battle against sin and death had been won. The, the, the plague of man's sin had been conquered by the blood of the Passover lamb. All my sins were laid upon him, we used to sing years ago. All my sins were laid upon him, Jesus bore them on the tree. And now he had risen from the dead and there was cause for great celebration. For Mary Magdalene, however, her, her world was empty, void and deflated. There was no cause for celebration. Jesus was the most important thing in her life. He was the fairest among 10,000. He was her saviour. He was her Lord. Well, tradition tells us that Mary Magdalene was once a prostitute. She had been miraculously delivered by Jesus, not only from a prostitution, but also from seven demons. But now... Her beloved saviour had been brutally murdered upon a Roman cross. To, to Mary Magdalene, all hope was gone. Her saviour, she thought, lay cold and still in a tomb. Mary Magdalene couldn't sleep that night. I don't think any of the disciples could sleep that night. She was drawn early in the morning to the tomb of her master to show her deep love and devotion. The other gospel writers tell us that other women also accompanied Mary Magdalene. They had agreed to finish the task that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were unable to complete three days before. They brought spices to anoint the body of Jesus for burial. Mary Magdalene had gone ahead. And she had found that the seal on the tomb had been broken and the stone had been rolled away and, and the soldiers who were guarding the tomb had fled. Now you can picture the scene. Mary Magdalene was a woman, 
as she was all alone. She was in the dark, in a graveyard, and she discovers that the grave, the tomb, was open. I wonder, what would you do? Well, Mary Magdalene probably did what most of us would do. She jumped to the conclusion that someone must have stolen the body of her Lord. And so she ran to tell Peter and John. If only she had waited. If if she had waited, she would have been there when the other woman who at that very moment had been greeted by an angel and were bearing the glad news that Jesus was alive. Mary would have been the, the bearer of the most brilliant news in the world. Instead, Mary is heartbroken, distraught, grieved. She had been expecting to find a dead saviour in a tomb, but instead she found no saviour. You see, her faith was built on past experience. She desperately wanted what Jesus had to offer. She was was looking in all the wrong places, but she wanted it. Her faith was built on past experience. She remembers Jesus at his crucifixion. She remembers the body that was bruised and and bloodied and whipped and lashed and crucified and and the spear that had pierced his side. And she remembers that, that broken body being laid in a tomb. Her faith built upon past experience. I wonder, friends, what's your faith built upon today? Perhaps you can remember a time years ago when, when perhaps as a child you, you received Jesus as Savior or perhaps you, you prayed a prayer. Or, or, but, but now, as time has gone on, your, your Christian beliefs have grown old and have grown stale. Perhaps you went forward at a revival meeting. We had friends in the States that, uh, as a family, they went forward in a good old southern revival and they had given their lives to Jesus. But when we used to talk to them about the Lord Jesus, they always looked back at the revival. All the excitement and the joy was gone. All they could remember was the revival. And I wonder, friends, is your faith built on past experience? Could it be that you desperately want the life that the Lord Jesus is offering, but you've been looking in all the wrong places? Well, don't leave today without asking Jesus, the Savior, to give you that abundant life. That's faith built upon past experience. But we see in the second stage of comprehension of the resurrection, faith built on present evidence. Look at verse 8. The other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. Now, our story changes focus from Mary Magdalene uh, to Peter and John. When Peter and John heard the report of the missing body, they they ran to the tomb. And John was an old man when he wrote this gospel, but he still remembers that he had outrun Peter. He cautiously remained outside the tomb. It's probably still quite dark or early light. And stooping down, he bent over in order to peep into the tomb. That's what the verb implies. He looked in. Notice the word saw or blepe in verse 5. Stooping down, he saw, blepe, the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. You see, he sees. He, he, he glances in. He, he takes a mere glance. He, he sees without comprehension. Well, what did he see? 
In his initial glance, he took in the evidence. The grave clothes were lying there, but there was no corpse in the clothes. But as yet, the the evidence hadn't gripped him. Then Peter arrived on the scene. And he just rushed straight into the tomb, which is quite typical of Peter. And following him, it says in verses 6 and 7, it says, Following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but folded in a separate place by itself. The word saw there is different than the word in in verse 5. Here it's the word theore or theory. It's a different word. He he beheld, he, he gazed, he contemplated, he looked very carefully, he considered. Notice what he sees. He sees the empty grave clothes and he sees the strips of linen. He, he sees the handkerchief neatly folded, lying by itself. There, there was something very strange about this. There was no evidence of grave robbers. There was no evidence of vandalism. Everything was neat and in order. It didn't look like the body had been stolen. It was as as if the body had actually come right out of the grave clothes. All the evidence was there. All Peter had to do was connect the dots and draw the right conclusion. But Peter couldn't make sense of it. Then we're told in verse 8 that John entered the tomb. Look what it says. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw and believed. Now this is a different word again. This word saw here is the word aiden in in verse 8. To perceive with intelligence, to perceive with comprehension. So what did he see? What was it that he comprehended? There was only one conclusion. The Lord Jesus had risen from the dead. He had come out of the tomb. John believed by seeing the evidence of the resurrected, risen Christ, even though he hadn't seen his body or seen seen him in person. John took in the evidence and concluded that Jesus Christ was alive. For as yet, it says in Scripture, they didn't know the the Scriptures. What, What Scripture? What did, his, what did John mean that, by this? What was he talking about? What was he referring to? Jesus in John chapter 2 verse 19 said, Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. But we have to remember the infant church, and this isn't even the infant church. This was before the infant church had been birthed at Pentecost. They only had the Old Testament scriptures. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, quoted Psalm chapter 16, verses 8 through 10. He says, There I always let the Lord guide me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. The Lord Jesus had repeatedly told his disciples that he would die and rise again. The Logos had spoken. They had forgotten. When God's people forget his words, they live lives of defeat. I wonder, have you 
ever examined the evidence of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus for yourself? Have you personally taken your Bible and examined the proofs of the resurrection? If someone was to ask you, how can you prove it is true? Would you know what to do? Would you know where to go? The evidence, however, the proofs alone are insufficient to save you from your sins. You know, I, I've taken people through this evidence. We've gone right through from start to finish and looked at all the Gospels and looked at the evidence. And I've had people say, I believe this is true, that Jesus rose from the dead, but I don't want to commit my life to Jesus yet. See, we've seen faith built on past experience and we've seen faith built on present evidence. But in the third stage of comprehension, we see faith built on a personal encounter. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So the story here returns to Mary Magdalene, who had followed Peter and John to the tomb. Peter and John had taken in the evidence and at this stage they had gone home. I find that quite interesting. They didn't even look for Jesus. They took the evidence in. They knew he must have risen from the dead, but, but, but they didn't look for him. They didn't even say, well, he must be here somewhere. Oh, you know, from verse 19, of course, further down in the passage, we know that they hid behind locked doors because they were afraid of the authorities. Perhaps that's why they went straight home. We don't know. Instead, they surveyed the evidence and went back to where they were staying. Mary Magdalene still believed that Jesus was dead. She stood outside the tomb crying and weeping. And the word actually means lamenting or weeping loudly or wailing. It's very characteristic of Middle Eastern people, of the Jewish people. When Mary looked into the sepulchre, she saw two angels dressed in white. The two angels sat at either end of where the body of Jesus had been placed. It was as if heaven is taking vital interest in the resurrection of Christ. And you would almost get the picture that, that the cherubim were standing. You know the cherubim standing at e either sides of the mercy seat and they, they have their, their wings sort of over top of the mercy seat. You see that in Exodus chapter 25. And it's as though God was saying, the old mercy seat is done away with. Now we have a new mercy seat. My son has paid the price for sin and opened the way into the presence of God. Mary seemed undisturbed at seeing the two angels in white sitting at the sepulchre. The evidence actually suggests she didn't even know they were angels. And neither did their brief conversation stop her tears. Look at, look at verse 13. Look at, look at what they say. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Now, you would think the answer to that would be quite obvious, wouldn't you? I mean, Mary was in a graveyard. Someone she loved had just passed away and, and the person that she loved was now no longer in the tomb and she believes grave robbers have stolen the body. The angels were sitting right there where the body had been. But look how Mary answers. The angels, they say, why are you weeping? And she says, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have put him. Her thoughts were consumed with fighting the body of her dead Lord. Notice the 
angels didn't respond to her. They didn't give her an answer. Why? Perhaps they could see right now what she couldn't see. They were possibly looking right past her, right at this moment. They were looking behind Mary Magdalene and they could see the Lord Jesus standing behind her. Perhaps they were smiling. Or maybe Mary could see they were looking past her. We don't know, but for some reason she turned around at that point and standing there right in front of her was the Lord Jesus, her Savior. The very one she earnestly loved, the very one she desired, not dead but alive. But perhaps it's because of her tears, perhaps because of her grief. She didn't recognize him and she thought he was the gardener. Jesus asks her the same question that the angels asked. Woman, why are you crying? She was, she was still weeping when she could have been worshipping. And then Jesus asks, who is it that you're seeking? Notice Jesus asked, who is it you're seeking, not what are you seeking? In response to the angels, Mary had said, they've taken away my Lord. She was looking for something, not someone. Then Jesus calls her by her name, Miriam. And immediately she recognizes her voice. He calls her by her personal name. And, and, and look how she responds. I, I believe here that she just, she, she calls out Rabboni, which means teacher or master. And she prostrates herself down and, and just hugs her arms around his feet. She wasn't going to let him go. Friends, the Lord Jesus calls us by name. He doesn't just say, hey, you over there in the blue coat, or oh, hey, you, no, not you, the, the one next to you. The Lord Jesus knows us by name. He knows your deepest needs. He knows the, the deepest longings of your heart, and he, and he calls you by name. Look how the Lord Jesus responded to Mary. He said, don't cling to me. That might sound a little bit harsh when we first read that. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I'm, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Did you notice what Jesus called the disciples? Brothers. He didn't call them disciples. He said, brothers, go and tell my brothers. The disciples had been called servants in other passages and friends in other passages, but they'd never been called brothers before here because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross because it had taken place in the place of sinners. Can I say that again, please? Yep. Uh, which B. One? Yep. It's 1B. Go for it. Because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross in our place, in the place of sinners, a new relationship with Christ was made possible. What Jesus was saying to Mary was, do you think that by clinging to me, you can keep me forever? You see, the uninterrupted fellowship that she wanted, that she yearned for, must wait until Christ ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit comes and the Spirit of Jesus comes, not, not externally, but comes and internally lives within us. And now the Lord Jesus gave Mary a new job. She was to go and tell her brothers that Jesus was alive. Her, her weeping became worship. The, the mourner became the missionary. She, she shared what she had seen and she shared how the Lord Jesus changed her life. 
Friends, this is faith built upon a personal encounter. And I wonder this morning, do you have this personal encounter with the living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ? If you want to have this kind of an encounter, you've got to see the evidence in Scripture, look at it for yourself, but that alone is not enough. You need to invite the Lord Jesus to come into your life, to be your Lord and Master. You can pray a prayer, a very simple prayer, just like this. You could pray, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd come into my life right now. I know that you rose from the dead, and I know that you can forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me of all my sins. And at this point, Lord, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord from this day forward. Friend, if you pray just a simple prayer like that, you can invite Jesus into your life and your faith will be built on a living experience. Thanks for joining us this week online. Come join us on Sunday mornings too if you're in Hamilton. Find out more about Hamilton Central Baptist Church and discover ways to get involved at www.hcbc.com. Join us again next week at Central Speaks.